0: Add to the uh, array that's already on the roof, but that will involve roof work, for which I am, just like electrics and plumbing and general DIY, wholly unqualified.
1: Well, that's useful because there's a hole involved. (laughs) Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the (laughs) Pubisode.
0: Thank you for joining us as we are all reintroduced to the notion of pain by Ben. Pun pain. We need a name for the pub. Ooh. What pub are we in, gentlemen? I mean, the Drowning Point sounds pretty (laughs) good for a pub. Okay. God, this is a bit bleak for me. Yeah, okay. We are sat in the Drowning Point, a pub under the sea, uh, where the crayfish come for their krill. I assume they eat krill. I don't know. Who doesn't? The uh, seals come for their fish. The... Polar bears come for their seals, and the humans come to kill fucking everything for no good reason. <laughs> ah, capitalism. Welcome to the Drowning Point. That's the Drowning Point. <laughs> Mass extinction. <laughs> that's why. I'm not sure why that's the name of my autobiography, but that's why this pub <laughs> is named thusly. So, uh, let's pull up a stool and get some of the drink. What are you having, gentlemen?
1: Oh, introduce yourselves as well. Uh, I, I, I'm. Ben Levy Griffiths and uh, I am drinking the remnants of a snowball. A snowball. What's a snowball? So it was a it was a drink that my mother in law introduced me to over Christmas, um, which is uh, advocat uh, lemonade, uh, some lime, and some maraschino cherries, which are in the in the bottom of this glass. You lost me the cherries. It um it all tastes a bit like sherbet. It's it. Oh, it looks it looks like vomit. Yeah, it's fantastic. I, I consider
2: no, I not. consider snowball to be a staple of like a 90s christmas
1: in the valleys yeah with eggnog so so and my brother in law used to work in a pub in the 80s and it was uh it was popular mm, back then snowball and baby oh. sham those are the two drinks
2: mm-hmm. during christmas um what is baby sham it's probably just like prosecco i imagine but shit well, Ben, uh, I find your drink choice hideous. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Jamie. And hello, I'm, uh, I'm Jamie, and as it comes to no surprise to anybody at this point, I'm drinking yet another mead. This is called the Mead of Brigid, uh, and it's a just... So did you make it from Brigid? <laughs> Unfortunately, no. Poor girl. <laughs> I mean, you look at her face on the bottle, and she looks like she's had a bit of a rough time, just sort of blank stays She looks and... dead. Well. She looks, she looks like a corpse. I mean, baby. mead is an ancient drink, so, you know, she can't hang around forever. But it is a quite a strong mead. But um, I've only got half a bottle, though,
0: which is sad. But we'll see how we go. Oh, so, Actually, this is the first time I've seen your mead mug, and uh-huh. it is exactly what you're imagining, ladies and gentlemen. Exactly. It's like something Tony Robinson would find on Time Team and then declare to be part of a Roman building. Well, funny you should say that. Uh because I stole it and <laughs> I uh
2: I got it from the
0: uh Is this how you
2: got disgraced as an Egyptologist? You stole <laughs> the artifacts and began drinking. Out of them down the park. If only it were that that simple. Uh I got it from uh, from the St. Fagan's Living History Museum of Wales. Uh they've got like Saint St. Fagan's. Um Okay. which is not a slur. Uh, it is a Welsh word. I don't know what it means. It's a saint, apparently. Uh, it's like a living history museum, and it's lovely. They've got a traditional uh, sweet shop and a traditional newsagents and grocery shop. Um,
1: some of the things they sell are like handmade pottery mead cups, and it's a wonderful place to visit. They they basically have pilfered in the same way that uh, the British Museum have pilfered artifacts from across the world. uh, The uh, Saint Fagans appropriated for their own sake. (laughs) Saint Fagans has uh, pilfered buildings across Wales. You know, (laughs) you know how in in um, Despicable
2: Me uh, grew the main villain. His thing is like stealing landmarks and putting them in his own Mm. house. That's what Saint Fagans Museum does. Is it? It took a whole street and rebuilt it brick by brick in this museum. They took a, it took a pub and rebuilt it. And everybody, rather than the outcry that you'd associate with this kind of theft, everybody in Wales went, tidy. Thank you. <laughs> Preserving our history. I will pay you... Oh, no, it's free entry. So I will just come visit it now and again. Oh yes, yeah, so like you have to pay for parking. Yeah, that's what they get. So there's they get a
0: model you. pub in a mm. building. It's not it's no, an, it's an actual, actual pub. pub. There's an actual pub in a building, like no, no. you of Harry Potter. Outside. Goddles. Yeah, it's
2: like a massive Outside. park kind of thing. Okay. Uh, basically, there's this pub called the Vulcan that was very historic uh, in Cardiff and very much loved, very much a cultural icon. That was about to get demolished. Uh, there was a massive petition to save it, so the museum demolished it brick by brick. And then rebuilt it in exactly the same way. So they just transported the whole thing to
0: the park. Jamie, this this depresses me intensely because we had a historic pub in England, the Crooked Pub, that there was a petition to save, and the owners burnt it to the ground and then committed insurance fraud. Ah, uh, yeah, but that's because you've got the conservatives in power. <laughs> there, there <is. laughs> Probably. I mean, at this point, pff, I, I'd pin anything on those idiots. I really would. <laughs> And I'm John, by the way. Hello. Uh, And I am enjoying a lovely 10-year-old Tawny port, which has, I hope you can see that, gentlemen, a lovely reddish quality. That does look nice. It's uh, really beautiful. It looks a bit like slow gin, and it's going down very smoothly. And I bought it with some tip money on the way home from the gig, because there were tips, which was wild and unexpected, because, you know, we're paid performers. Uh, So that was a nice touch from the host. That was very... Very good. Shout out to Chris Francis. You're a gentleman and a scholar, and you have the moustache of an Elizabethan explorer. That's an amazing thing to put on, like, your LinkedIn profile. That's
2: that's yeah. you could, you, That could open doors just with a moustache that fabulous. I've not seen it, but
0: I'm imagining it, and it's impressive. It's It was quite something. It was quite something. He was a good chap, too. Ah, oh, right. Shall we discuss the room? Go on, then. So, oh, I'm a bit annoyed, because... I came up with that whole pressure, air pressure thing, and I thought it was fiendish. And you fuckers fiddly, figured it out immediately. Then immediately figured out the 5-5 five, five thing, which I thought was also fiendish, but then lost 15 minutes because you couldn't work out how to use the puppet dish. <laughs> Genuinely, you
1: had the hard parts of that room solved in seven minutes, pretty much on discovery. I will. I will maintain that anything that you tell us during the uh, intro is immediately uh, left as part of the intro when we start the puzzle. <laughs> but it's the best. the best you, place. You maintain <laughs> that. It, it, virtually every puzzle that I've been in, uh, and normally actually ones by Mike. Mike will mention something that is seemingly uh, inconsequential during the uh, introduction, and it is uh, often crucial. Yes, <laughs> I've taken to this too because it's jolly good fun and it makes people listen. <laughs> well, not
2: not as hard. listen children it makes you makes you repeat yourself when we go I don't
0: know (laughs) and then would you like me to give you some of the intro (laughs) please say it (laughs) back to Herman Merman (laughs) which is glorious by the way yeah, the, the pressure puzzle. I I was debating whether or not to re-mention the wheel that he turns through the air pressure. And I decided I should re-mention it because when I put elements like that before, they've been lost. But having re-mentioned it, Ben, you immediately turn to it. As soon as you're in the room, you're like mucking around with the damn wheel and figuring out exactly how it worked and what it did and its limitations. And I thought, oh, fuck. It was only 40 minutes before we recorded that I made a change to the room where the key couldn't just float back through the floor. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- oh, I was looking at it thinking, ah, oh, they're never going to do that. And it's a fun way to go, oh, you could have solved it in 10 <laughs> seconds, guys, oh, <laughs> at the end. And then I had another thought of, you know, what if they do? <laughs> I cannot do a DOM. I cannot have my room solved in single-digit minutes. And the... Um, the Mechanic of the the sliding doors, or well, the sliding glass panes up and down. Yeah, I was hoping, really hoping that it you'd figure that out first, get the flow switch sorted, have the water flowing, do the first two, and then be absolutely stumped on why the third one wouldn't go down far enough to let the key through. I was like, ha ha, this will be <laughs> the kind of thing the first two worked, but now this one won't. What will you do? Well, no. And you just went, okay, I'll stick my hand in and you go over there. If it's any consolation, John, I
2: had not a single clue about how that bit would have been solved. If, if Ben wasn't there, I would, really? I would, I would probably fail because I wouldn't have thought to change the, the water pressure to get that, to, to do its thing. It just hadn't, that whole thing hadn't sunk. I hadn't, hadn't thought to connect the
1: two things. So I'm glad that we got someone who understands how, you know, stuff works. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was only that. I, I the, the air pressure bit seemed very obvious to me. That was, that was very nice. To it. Um, it, right up until the very last moment, I still could not understand. When you said there was um, a uh, a hole in the glass that was like mm. a partition, um, I just could not wrap my head around that at around all. But I, I just I couldn't picture it. I, I um, When you said a pane of glass, I, I very much saw it in the floor, you know, looking down, as oh opposed my, to yes. a, a segregating the mm. room. Yes, I,
0: I found, I, I drew those. And when you draw them, it's, it's, it's very clear what they are and, and how they work. Um, yep. <laughs> okay, Ben's showing me his picture now. And I think he's, I think he's drawn
1: amputated stick men. <laughs> well, this is the other thing, is that for some reason when you said handle, I heard lever. Um, so I thought I, <laughs> I, there were three levers in the ground. <laughs> okay.
0: Yeah, so I could have described that better. Do you have any questions about the room? Oops. How early did the uh, the Third
2: Reich merman bit come into this? Was the fish? Reich. The, sorry, the fifth the fish
0: Reich. The fish Reich, which is a play on the fifth Reich, which would be the next one because the Nazis were the were they the fourth Reich? I think so. How oh many God. Reichs? Right in. How many Reichs have there been? Yeah, how many Reichs have there been, guys? <laughs> I think the Holy Roman Empire is the first. Charlemagne, the second. Did Charlemagne come before the Holy Roman Empire? Oh, no, hang on. Charlemagne is the Holy Roman Empire. What am I on about? Uh, yeah, don't know how many reichs. Lots of reichs. <laughs> um, so this this entire thing began uh, with Jamie. It was Jamie's idea. Oh. Uh, with his Walt Disney uh, Nazi officers thing. I thought, oh, what, what if they were under the sea? Because, you know, that there's a couple of silly sci-fi movies about them, like, hiding on the mm. moon or something. <laughs> I thought, well, no, no, submarines, submarines. U-boats, that's very them. And then I thought mermaids, and then I wrote a list, and it it had Nazi things on the left and mermaid (laughs) things on the right.
1: There's the list. Which is odd. You'd have thought it would be the other way around. John's
2: (laughs) John's literally showing us a picture of his notebook that has a a two-column table. On the left, he's written as the header, Nazi things, and on the right, he's written as the header, mermaid
0: things. This is great. (laughs) So, and the first thing we've got, uh, Nazi things, fascism, mermaid things, sparkling (laughs) tales. Nazi things, leather uniforms. Mermaid things, clamshell bras. <laughs> Nazi things, camp. Mermaid things, camp. <laughs> Nazi things, unfeasible mad technology. Mermaid things, unfeasible fish technology. <laughs> Nazi things, megastructures. Mermaid things, shipwrecks. Nazi things, Walt Disney. Mermaid things, Walt Disney. <laughs> and they went with Tiger Tank, Tiger Fish uh-huh. Tank. King Tiger Tank, King Tiger Fish Tank. Human experiments. Human experiments. That was where I ended. I then started thinking of the Little Mermaid, and wrote a song. <laughs> and you can't tee that up without giving us a rendition of that, John.
2: Yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, here we go. Um, Is there backing music? Should we? Should we no, do it? I to pretend it. that I'm like a crustacean. Onto the sea.
0: Onto the sea. Life's so much purer, when you're with the furor, take it from me. If you're running out of time, just take the turpids down the Rhine. You'll always be winning, when you're geschwimming, under the sea. That is glorious. I don't know why I did that. I'm so glad you did, though. I have, yep, no, no. Um, and, the, <laughs> and then on the next page, I just wrote
1: "Heil Fischler. <laughs> I I hope that you develop that and uh, submit it for first, first number one this year. <laughs> Make sure it's a charity single, for God's sake. Otherwise, <laughs> yeah. uh, And then I was I spent several
0: pages desperately trying to work out how this hatch mechanism was going to work, and drew all of the dumb things, just just shapes. Uh, that did not work before I finally settled on something which I thought was pretty straightforward and easy to understand. Ben. <laughs> um, and that was it. And apart from that, I just wrote down some um, silly Nazi mermaid names. Um, Herman Merman. That's a good name. Ha- Herring mm-hmm. Herringering. <laughs> nice. <laughs> that sort of thing. <laughs> And then it was five o'clock <laughs> today, and um, I panicked and, and wrote it all. The
2: I, I like that that, was, that it's sort of, it seems by your own admission, it seems to have been sort of 15% planning, 85% nasty fish pun names, <laughs> which is beautiful. <laughs>
0: Basically, yes. Which ended up being unhelpful in the extreme. One, one um, beta puzzle that didn't make it in was that I wanted... I wanted to get you guys to sing the song, and have you have to like rearrange the words to make the lyrics. But then I realised this; it's just so hard. Once you scramble, scramble them like that, it's just going to be too hard to do. That's fair. Uh, so I dumped it uh, for uh, for something easier.
1: I also don't think that I, I'm. I'm talking purely for myself I don't think I could have done anything uh, near as uh, uh, well as you to uh, as faithful as your English <laughs> look there's an offensive
0: post-colonial accent in the original show uh, so yeah, why not just uh, make it an offensive European accent? that's fair I ask you that's fair.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean l- last episode in the pub we were discussing about how um there should be more. We should try a musical um, episode. And I mentioned that, that that there are there is a, a virtual musical ep, escape room episode with puppets. Um, and what? Oh, yes. Um, it's called uh, Keeper and the Fungus Among Us. It's a, a virtual musical escape room that's entirely casted with puppets. Uh, so that that's a fun team building exercise for the production crew. Um but Yeah, I think escape rooms and musicals go go well together. Let's let's, let's do it, and we've already got one song.
0: Jamie, 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 your signing is up for editing hell, hell. I tell you, <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> Shut up! Oh dear, just scary musical. Um, Ben, how did
1: how did it feel coming back as a solver? Bewildering. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, no, genuinely. And it wasn't, wasn't, uh, wasn't the puzzle of 12, John. The puzzle was was really good. Um, oh, I know. I, I, no, I, I tell you what, it, it's so – I'd forgotten that one of the skills that you develop being on this podcast is being able to take in what somebody is saying and be able to picture it in your head, right? It, hmm. it, to be able to interpret it actually pretty quickly. I, I kind of drew everything down as I as I always used to, and it, like you saw when I, I showed it to you, it was not a good representation at all of what you were saying to us. Um, but it, but just, it worked. just trying you came to came to the correct conclusions very quickly. Well, uh, some of them, um, and then thankfully Jamie the others, um, and then you, you sort of told us the last one. <laughs> trying to just hold everything in my in my head again was so uh, was was really difficult. Um, it is. I think we forget that mm. um,
0: out in the world. I wanted a room with no silly codes, no fucking around with numbers, and I wanted something spatial where it was all about the movement of an object in a space with other objects. Which, for an audio, (laughs) an audio based (laughs) show, is possibly not the best listing. You you guys be the judge, Uh, but uh, challenging certainly, Mm. hopefully, because I think definitely the easiest way to do a puzzle is something makes something makes numbers make answers. I was looking back on my. Previous ones that thinking, oh God, actually, an awful lot of it is kind of just that, but dressed up in a different way. Which is not just me. I think the escape room industry is very guilty of that. Uh, we've got a directional padlock. Let's find some way to make directions somehow, and then put this directional padlock on a door Mm. that you now must open. Or well, yeah, we've got another four-digit combination lock. Let's insert numbers into something for no fucking reason. And even rooms that otherwise are pretty good theming or pretty good... Yeah, a pretty good setting or setup. There's an awful lot of that still, I think. So I wanted to do something that was completely devoid of that. And I was chortling away to myself when... um, Actually, so the, the Seashells one were five and five. What I should have done,
1: I, I should have had numbers in the glass tubes too. Oh. I did think that when Jamie said it, I was like, more than likely, but also that seems kind of um simple Hmm. Hmm. and and i was like i bet we're going to put five into those indentations and it's not going to work i suppose and there's something more to it one way to i suppose cloak it a little
2: bit would be potentially rather than doing the numeral five would be to have five individual shells like an image of five shells so you go hang on there's five shells Mm. but there's only four indentations what does that yeah, potentially yeah. mean I, I, yes. I like the physicality of the rest of the room you're right especially in the audio setting we rely it's, it's weird how much we do rely and fall back on traditional escape room logic it is isn't it but we yeah. do but we've got so much like we could we could do anything uh, but we we fall back on the the tropes uh which is interesting but so i think that's where a lot of like the bits that i couldn't figure out in this were would do to is because i come at it with an escape room internal logic okay this has a code this fits this lock and i've got that mentality whereas mm. if it's a physical space where you have to move things and things work as they do in the real world like if you squeeze a puff of fish and air comes out and then you let it go and water comes in my brain just goes nope
0: that's not information that's relevant to you right now <laughs> although it clearly does i mean the the fact that it was a, a puff of fish Maybe something like I don't know, maybe a bellows or or something something that more clearly operates in that way. Like I don't know, he gives you a big beach ball full of air and and you squeeze it to put the air or something like that. I don't I don't know what it would be, but something that that. That more clearly signaled that it had this capability early on without signposting. it. Yeah. I mean, I think I think what you did worked. I think we just ignored it.
2: To be honest, we just thought, we just thought it was part of the the introduction. I did bury it, and we just I think I, uh, uh, I buried it heavily.
1: So, certainly, um, we we could have experimented more with the puff fish. Yeah. Like I, I was like, oh, we'll offer it up and see if it does anything sort of autonomously, yeah. right? Um, I felt but, a bit bad dismissing that because you
0: said, oh, you just sort of. Put the pufferfish to the tube. Does anything happen? And I thought, well, no, no not no, exactly. Really. But at the same time, I I'd feel wrong, sort of going. You're on the right track. Mm. So I just let it drop, and then you abandoned the pufferfish completely. I felt bad, wondering, have I, like, have I been
1: overly harsh there? Should I have? Yeah. No, I, I always yeah, think I don't know. it's it's a hard line to to walk, right? Um, between giving. If somebody says, oh, can I do this? Then you can say yes or no, right? And that, and that would be right too. But if someone's merely uh, not even properly interacting with something, uh, I, I know um, uh, Tony's called me up before because I can't quite remember what it was. It was one of the Christmas episodes uh, that we did um uh, the Scrooge one, uh, A Christmas Carol, um, and uh, I think he was like, "Oh, I look at the table." And I was like, "Yeah, fine, it's a table." Uh, but then there was something on the table mm. right? or, or or under the table. I can't remember yeah, what yeah. now. And, and he was like, oh, you?" But I, I, I've already interacted with that. And I was like, mm, "Not really in the way that you know." It's 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 so hard because
0: in in the real world, you either see it or you don't. Based on you, and so many escape rooms, the find is a huge part mm. of it. Just. Mm being able to look through a place and pick out the important items from the noise is a huge part of it when you're describing everything that's very
1: difficult to accurately do an analogy of i think what i've done in the past is um oh there's a bookshelf and it's full of books right and i'm not going to go through every single book but if you if you can think of something that you'd like to check for i'll tell you whether mm-hmm. it's there or not you know yeah that yes. kind of um it, it. finding a way to simulate the team looking at something with fresh eyes, but but I dare it's say, difficult. John, if we were stumbling in those last few minutes, you'd have um, maybe revised how how you dealt with us um, wrongly interacting with the with the puff fish. I want to let you drive. <laughs> <laughs> Just easier.
0: Yeah, I like this. You stay beneath the waves until the bubbles stop. <laughs> the end. Short and sweet, like the remainder of our lives. Um, no, yes. Uh, you you basically sold the rest of the room ahead of time once you'd cracked that. Quite weird, actually, because most of the time, most of the rooms that we do, and most rooms in, in real life, they reveal things piece by piece. You can't even see the next challenge until you've done this challenge. Whereas this one, everything was visible, but nothing worked in, I, until you'd done yeah. something. So you'd actually, you'd untangled all, you'd untangled the entire room, but you hadn't cracked
1: the first thing. And once you'd done that, you knew exactly what to do with everything. In some cases, I, I think... Also, uh, just very really quickly, I think in some cases that's that makes it more hard, right? Because you're you've got something hiding in plain sight there. You, mm-hmm. You've laid everything out, and um, you've now you've you've got to figure out how everything fits together, and it's not given to you piecemeal. Yes, yeah, yeah. There's a there's a danger of information overload. Yeah, no.
0: which is that, such a thing. I I think of that these days a bit a slightly lazy design. Like if you go into a room and there's just a bunch of stuff. Yeah. And you just, you get laden down with props that could have something yeah. to do with each other, but also could not. We did a, a room, actually, the last physical room I did, where you ended up with a bunch of paper props. I don't like too many of those anyway, to be honest with you. And some of them were thematically related, um, like tickets and passports, mm. for example, um, but had nothing to do with one another. And I was livid because I was like, "You can't, you can't give people paper props like that that look so clearly linked and are yeah. not, and
2: they're also riddled with text that you're going to waste so much time trying to find any yeah. kind of connection or pattern."
0: Yeah, yeah, it's just that that's a that's a recipe for people diving into the weeds in a very frustrating way. Yeah, and listen, it's, an, it's a, a fine balance to strike between
2: getting a, a scene or a set that feels real and lived in but isn't like full mm. of clutter that's irrelevant so a I, I, I bookcase used to be one of my favorite things in an escape room because you go oh there's going to be a hidden code in a book there's going to be a secret bookcase now they kind of piss me off because i'm like either those books are glued shut which means there's going to mm-hmm. be one that triggers a hidden bookcase or they're full of actual books that i'm going to have to fucking rifle through just in case there's a secret compartment mm. or
1: a, a highlighted debris yeah 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 that is annoying I guess it's, I uh, mean, it, it's that balance, is. right, between um, open world versus um, the uh, having the guardrails up at the 10 bowling <laughs> um, Yes. You know, it, it's striking that, that balance between the two. Maybe it's one of the Everyone guardrails. thinks
0: they're good at bowling until they've guttered three in a row. Yeah, I suppose. And then they suggest that maybe we can all play with the guardrails up, you know? I suppose that's the difference between an escape room as a game
2: versus the likes of immersive theatre. It's where mm. you are on that
0: on that spectrum, so i on escape rooms as a game, I got a call the other day, and um uh the old room that I used to work for was closed. Hmm. it was the owner uh telling me, and basically asking me if I wanted to buy some of the computer and tech that that ran the thing and maybe sell it on, and you know, we chatted about that, so I was a bit sad about that because I put um I might actually do one of those, oh that might be a fun podcast episode, I might just recreate one. Um, ah, oh, that would be cool. Show. And you guys could uh could go through a room that, a real room that I had a pretty massive role in in designing. Like uh so that that would be fun. Be a bit tricky to do, but I think I think it's possible. So yeah, might do that. Be an extra long mm. one though, cuz it was an hour long room. Uh anywho, when we were putting those rooms together, we were very keen that failure was possible. Mm. Uh and my aim was to make failure okay. With the right kind of debrief, right? Because I feel like for a game, you have to be able to suffer a defeat; otherwise, there's no sweetness in the mm. victory. Yeah, you can get a better time, sure you can, but especially once you've chucked in a flexible clue system, a better time can kind of be artificially created anyway. And, and well, that potentially cheapens things. So I, I firmly believe that you should be able to fail, and then you should be adult enough to discuss and maybe learn from your failure. But this notion seems to be falling by the wayside in the industry. More and more rooms basically don't let you fail. They'll kind of nurse you along until you get there, no matter what. And I can see why people are doing it, I think, because I think it plays better with the public. Yeah. It's really hard to make
2: defeat feel good. Yeah. I think having that positive ending of finishing a room. Whether you well yeah, whether you're there for fifty nine minutes or you're there for twenty minutes, that dopamine hit mm. of exiting the room is probably the a bigger lasting impression in terms of getting reviews on TripAdvisor than it was a solidly built room. We didn't get mm. out, but Jesus, what a good room that was.
0: Yeah. And it's also I think even even relatively seasoned escapists, would we call them? But even relatively seasoned escapists, it's amazing how quickly they start to blame the room if they don't do well. Yeah. Amazingly how quickly. And like because I GM'd loads of games with these two rooms. So I knew both rooms very intimately and 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 how they could be solved and how better teams did and worse teams did. And some teams like, sorry guys, you just fucked it up. You just fucked it up. You made took some wrong conclusions, usually because you decided how something worked before it you'd let it show you how it worked. And even people who really ought to have known better. Exhibited what I saw as tremendous immaturity. There. Mm. Yeah, lack of self-reflection. Some didn't. Some were, were brilliant, and some, you know, failed and then realised why, or had a slow time and and realised why and kicked themselves that they they hadn't spotted that thing. But fine. And some people just playing the game. Yeah. And I feel like that's on the rise.
2: Yeah, I, I wonder if it's because it's it's a paid for thing, so they've got to keep they've got to keep the punters happy. And they feel they've wasted like, the cash. Do you remember? Do you remember when
0: video games were hard? Oh, they are for me because I'm in my late thirties. <laughs> <laughs> but when when video games were brutally difficult, and there were lots of games that you never got to the end to because you couldn't. You you just you couldn't figure out how to beat it, and you'd move on to something else, and and maybe you'd go back three months later, and then suddenly it would click. Had that a couple of times, and that's a lovely thing. You come back to something.
1: Have I told you about um, my uh, experience of Portal? Oh, do tell the now. game. So, um, so I, I, everyone was going crazy about Portal, and I, I read basically yeah, I had a nothing about moment. it. Huge moment! Everyone was going crazy about it, and I started playing it. Um, and I got to one of these rooms. Um, but you're still like in the test facility and I just could not get it. Uh, you got to like, it was, it was a timing thing that I just could not get. And I, I um, got utterly pissed off with it and and just was like, fuck this. Um, and then like two or three years later, came back to it, breezed through it. And then you escape the, the facility. I was like, it wasn't just a bunch of like <laughs> puzzle rooms. <laughs> 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 I genuinely could not understand why everyone was going ben, crazy did about fail this. You the tutorial of pure Portal. I failed the <laughs> tutorial of saying? Portal.
0: I did. Yeah. I've never played Portal. like I've it's seen good. Like videos and stuff. I've never played it. Um, some poor developer going, no, 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 not the good bits around the corner. No, no, don't no. Ben's like, there's not
2: even a portal. <laughs> what years. the fuck? I'm just walking through this thing. When's the portal going to show up? I had a similar moment with them. Um, a, uh, like a play-at-home puzzle game a couple of years back. I uh, got a game called uh, Legend, a game of maps. And there was one particular bit where there was like a long handwritten letter from this sort of Spanish conquistador kind of character and loads of different punch cards with holes strategically placed on them. And you put one, you put it over the letter. put it over the over letter, the let- it over yeah, the letter yeah. and it revealed a yeah. secret message. Great. But we couldn't figure out the next step. And we spent hours trying to try everything there was no hint system at the time because it was just one guy doing stuff selling stuff messy. Hmm. and we gave up on it, put it on the shelf, left it, ignored it about ten months later. I bring it down, and then suddenly I have a brainwave that puts it in it rearranges the punch cards in a different order, and then a different message emerges, and I'm, just, "Oh my fucking God, just the dopamine spike from that like right get over here <laughs> and then we blitz the the the
0: thing the following night. I
1: have the answer. In those those two examples, right, the Portland uh, and and the game that you played, Jamie, you owned them, right? Yeah. So you mm-hmm. could go back to them, whereas yeah, yeah. the escape room experience is, um, I guess you'd probably be somewhat lucky if the escape room still existed, right? Because I, I guess that certain companies will will recycle rooms and it will be only on for a certain amount of time. Uh, plus, um, it's generally not like oh, I'll pay a tenner and uh, and then do it again. It's um, it's a bit of a financial investment. I I wonder though. Like, there must be different mechanics of making it passable, right? Um, hmm. sure, you could increase so, hints and stuff, but maybe so even saying some you get 90 minutes rather than 60. Just, um, so some rooms are longer hmm.
0: 90 minute slots. Uh, there was a time when Team Squared came to play our rooms, and they're, they're I think, reasonably well known. Hmm. Um, done thousands of games and there was consultants and things and hello team squared if you're listening you're probably not but if you're hello. Not, hello and they were chatting to me about failure and victory after they'd done our rooms and they said one possible strategy is victory and then more victory so everyone gets out but say for a bank heist which one of the rooms was you got out but how much of the mm. l- did you get how much of the money did you get did you figure out how much of the money was real and how much was fake and Get out with a container. You know, there's another way of adding further possibility for success on top of the success. And nobody fails, but there's a whole sort of further ladder to climb, which allows you to succeed more above and beyond just getting a quick time. So there's there's something in that, I think. But I don't know, man. I I think it's healthy to be comfortable with the idea of failing and. Maybe learning from it. Oh God, that sounds spicy, doesn't it? <laughs> Do you
1: know? What? I uh, you've been saying all this stuff, and it uh, it is really interesting to look back and see how you've actually brought all this and actually introduced a lot of it to the uh, infinite escape room. Um Have I? I, I, I want I to say that um your. World War Two puzzle I think it was um was yeah, I think on. one of the very first puzzles that was ever failable mm. we, it was we'd World always War one. It was a trench warfare one yeah, yeah. and 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 you introduced uh, effectively the alternative ending you did it um, on the hoof if I remember rightly <coughs> yes. um, sounds like me yeah um, uh, so and so that was obviously a, a direct carryover from what you were doing um sort of day to day at the time well, a one. Oh, <laughs> failing. Maybe, maybe. Ben, I fail every day. <laughs> uh, but also, um, what you said about how teams uh, assume something works before actually letting it reveal to you, there's a puzzle that I wasn't in. Uh, I'm sure Alan and Mike were there, and I can't remember who else. And I, I want to say there was a... Um, there was a sword or something like that that would uh, – it was a time-travelling puzzle. And there was a, a mechanic of that that everyone sort of assumed uh, how it worked. Um, and it, I don't think it had actually been fully um, sh- revealed to them how it worked. And, and they, that got pretty heated <laughs> when, uh, when you were like, no, it works like this. And they were like, no, how, how, how could it work like that? <laughs> was, was this me again? I, I you think were that was the again, one.
0: Yes. Was this the crucifixion? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, where well, you travel back in time to the crucifixion of Jesus and give him a ladder. Classic. <laughs> I can't can't remember. Quite possibly. It was yeah. all in a big church. And the whole point was to get the ladder into the past so that it would be in the church in the future so you could climb out. Quite possibly. Um, yeah, yeah. And there was there was an argument about how the time portal worked, basically, and like how you could get things through it. Yeah, and... Uh, yeah, it did get a bit heated. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. It did get a bit heated. So... There is conflict there. There, are, oh, but I think it's worth it. I mean, how do you when you you said you
2: want when people should fail, they should fail with a good debrief. Like, how do you how do you tackle that in the escape room?
0: So, okay, yeah, it's a, it's a good question actually. So when people failed, I would for a start I would be relentlessly positive about their game. So I would talk a fair bit about the stuff they did well, uh, and then then we'd go into what they failed on. And to be honest, it would usually go the other way around because usually the, you, they fail the game, time runs out, they die or whatever. Um and you walk in and you go, sorry guys, you ran out of time. And they say, what were we missing? What was the problem? I don't understand. This is bullshit. <laughs> you know, something of the above. So you start there, which is great actually, because then you can start with the defeat and then um, polish it up by talking about the stuff they did solve quickly. Uh, so I, I'd always try and do it that way around. Um, and I just talk, I talk pretty frankly, to be honest. And I talk frankly about the hints that the room gives them about that. So you see this over there, guys, uh, that's called words. If you read the words, they will tell you everything you need to know. Uh, you do have to understand them. So eyes and brain, people, eyes and brain. No, not like that, obviously. Yes. But there was, there was usually, there was almost always either they'd missed something obvious a failure of communication. So there was one that involved a tape recorder and I had a couple of teams where someone would find the tape recorder. Now, the tape recorder has no batteries. At the end of the game, you you have to find some batteries. And people search the entire room for these batteries with their torches. <laughs> and they have to realize the batteries are in the torches. Gotcha. <laughs> there are no batteries in the room. and And we had a couple of nice hints for this. Sorry, everyone knows that torches are batteries. Everyone knows this. No one thinks that your torch is plugged in, so it must have batteries. Uh, and we even bought torches uh, made by Energizer just so it had the end nice. of a battery on the side of the torch just to really twist the knife. Uh, so some people would screw that up and just not not click. And other people one of them would find the tape recorder, realize it didn't work, and then put it away again. <laughs> and go, oh, it's just a prop. And they put it back in this lockbox they find it in and tell nobody. <laughs> and you look on in horror, going, no, 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 that's crucial. And not only have you dismissed it when you shouldn't have, you've then hidden it for the rest of your piss. Oh no one's allowed God, to no. see that.
1: <laughs> what's in that store?
0: Fuck off. No. <laughs> I The torch thing. Exactly. So it was usually some some explainable specific disaster. People would put things in their pockets mm. that were crucial and forget they were in there. I do that. <laughs> I did have one team have a super bad reaction, and I'd have brought it up on the show before. It was the mm. so I'll very only very briefly. Um, it, it was the guy with the lock boxes and the key chain, and he um, he tried to brute force the puzzle several times and got there in the end by luck, but wasted fifteen minutes doing so and claimed in his Google review one star. And his TripAdvisor review, also one star, there, <laughs> uh, claimed that I'd called him the weakest link, which he was. I didn't say it to his face, but... Um, no, no, I don't think I say it to his face. But my, the reason I bring it up is because I think the reason that, that Rooms shy away from a, a defeat ending is that. It's that guy. Yeah. Because even if someone is an asshole if they blame the room and decide to vent their frustrations on the internet, it is so damaging to the business to receive a negative review like that that you can't get rid of. So damaging. It's just not worth the risk. Yeah, And And I think we're all poorer for it because it means that rooms have to pander to people who can't handle a defeat, which means that the rest of us get a worse challenge as a result.
2: Yeah, that's fair. On the flip side, you get those at least in the early days you got get those rooms that boasted about how this room only has a 25 percent escape rate it's hard much less than yeah because people are like i'm not much gonna pay 30 quid to spend an hour banging my head against a wall and get nowhere
0: i don't think it's even that i think because we had a hard mode on mm. on our original room where you basically got only story prompts no hints and this was voluntary. You could sign up for it. And our idea was that it would be a totally level, level playing field so people could do a kind of Hall of Fame times thing. But what we immediately found within weeks of opening, we, we killed it because the people who signed up for it were the worst kind of people to do. Uh, all bravado kind of thing? All bravado. Or maybe some experience, but all bravado and determination, very inflexible minds, just, just not mm. good people to be in that kind of very competitive game mode at all. But it's like, you know, it's like cops, isn't it? The people who decide to be cops are the worst people to yeah. be cops.
1: Sorry, cops. Also teachers. Um, lawyers. I should say, so that, that was going to be my, one of my suggestions, is that uh, I um, every every morning I play a game of Solitaire because there's an app on my phone that does a daily challenge of Solitaire mm. and I've been playing it since like 2013. Wow. So I can't stop now. Um Ben, I'm going to steal your phone one day. He's going to just steal one. a stranger's phone and install it just for that one day. Yeah, yeah. I know, if have stays days here and there, but you can always go back and... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um... Uh... But in the in, in the rest of the app, if you're just playing solitaire, you can um, you can turn a setting on which basically says every game is solvable, right? Because mm. um, there are configurations of solitaire yes yeah, that are just not can fuck you, can't it, it. It, it just is not solvable, you know, because um, it, it's through no fault of the your cards have fallen in such a way that it cannot be done ex- exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's not that you want that mechanic because you want it you don't you don't want it to be you don't want your escape to be unsolvable, but you almost wanted I was thinking a, a, a mechanic. Where Whereby you can say at the very beginning, "Hey, do you want uh, do, do you want to win, <laughs>
2: yeah, or do you, do you want the want option to be of, able to fail? Do, do
1: you want to be able yeah. to fail?" Right, um, and uh, but but to be honest, that kind of sounds like that hard mode that you were um, alluding to. You you're basically asking people what ending they want, aren't yeah. you? Well, you are, and you are. You're saying, right? "Do you want
0: the good ending locked in?" Exactly. Yes. Does that cheapen the victory though, knowing that? I think it does, because you also then get that annoying thing, and the last room I, I played had this, where they've clearly got sort of time sections up on a wall somewhere, so they should take 15 mm. minutes to do this bit, and 10 minutes to do this bit, and 10 minutes to do that bit, and... The thin veneer of, you're a secret agent and I'm your your spy runner and I'm radioing in advice, just fell away almost immediately with, okay, guys, we're coming up to time on this uh, section. Would you like a clue? And oh, I get it because you know how long all these things take and you don't want us to be left with 30 seconds to do puzzles that should mm. take 10 minutes because that's no fun and that's why you're moving is on. and And I get that, but at the same time there's something something lost i think Um, going back to the um the
2: torch and the the tape recorder batteries mm, it's mm. i wonder i wonder how much of that is the psychology of this torch is a part of the game world i'm a player this is my game Mm, prop mm. to help me see this is part of the, of
0: the, the story world so at the beginning of the game you were given a briefcase full of your equipment to rob the bank and the torches are in the briefcase along with a bomb uh, and uh, like various other sort of things that you use in the game so everything in the briefcase is a tool that you use hmm. uh, to to do your job and it's very much placed in the game world we don't' get the torches at the beginning and check they work with you and all of that stuff no no it's all in there as you're That's good equipment. Is it cheeky that you have to deconstruct one of them in an unexpected way? Yes. However, interestingly, newbie teams nailed that
1: all Mm. the time. All the time. And so it makes me wonder whether um, uh, people that are more experienced will have have gone through the whole... um, so, so my my physical experience uh, for skate rooms I, I've only done two, maybe mm-hmm. three, um, but they've always been after starting the escape room and always with people that are seasoned players, and um, so the whole um, you don't break anything, right? Mm. Um, was already sort of there for me because uh, you forfeit your um, your deposit or, or whatever. Um, yeah, yeah. And I wonder whether newbies, are, uh, having actually done one of, the, one of the escape rooms with some people that had never done any escape rooms before, they were trying to, like, um, twist lights off the wall and, and that mm, kind of yeah. thing. And I, I wonder wonder whether maybe a newbie is, is just a bit more happy to um, yeah, inadvertently break something, right? A newbie has not been institutionalised,
0: yes. basically. I think it comes down to. And and this returns to what we were discussing at the very top of it with like the predominance of combination locks in the rooms that we make for this show and that 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 is a result of us being institutionalized by our escape room experience as to what a puzzle is and what an acceptable problem to solve is in this room in the the bank job room the final problem that you had to solve and I can speak about it now fully because it's closed was put the batteries in the thing that obviously needs batteries <laughs> Take the thing, take the batteries out of the thing that obviously has them. My experience of watching veteran players screw that up and newbie players reliably get
1: it told me that people don't just get better at escape rooms, they get worse. I was... Gonna say what would be rather delicious is um if uh they had to construct the torches to begin with. Uh, you know, no. so you had torches and, and like batteries rumbling around the bag, right? Um yeah, so yeah. And and just to see just to see if they
0: remembered hmm. they did it. To see the battery. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh that would also mean that a certain proportion of people put the battery in the wrong way <laughs> and then immediately turn to a camera and go, the torch don't work, don't work. <laughs> Flip it upside down, you fuck. And I know this. <laughs> I know this because the tape recorder battery slot, these were AA batteries, is labeled <laughs> clearly. And we, we, when we were setting it up, we looked at it and went, yeah, there's decent enough light in here. You can see those labels. It's clear. Lots of people read the label, put the battery in. Some people put the batteries in, immediately said the tape recorder was broken.
1: <laughs>
0: there were several games where I had to come out, join the team, and put the batteries in the tape recorder correctly, and then press play.
1: It reminds me though of um, stories that that I have from the computing world. Not not that I I have experienced myself, but um, there's sort of the the, the old favourite of um, every every morning on a Monday at you know four a.m. Um, this server powers off. I mean, no one can figure out why, and you run all this diagnostics of it, and then next Monday it turns around, you know, turns off again, and half an hour later comes back up, um, and and you cannot figure it out. You, you you do not understand why. All the logs don't show any kind of crashes or anything like this and it just sort of brings itself back up again which also shouldn't happen um and finally you install cctv and find that the cleaner unplugs <laughs> it every morning So that <laughs> she can plug the <laughs>
2: <in>. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: that's <love> brilliant <laughs> cleaner comes in and i just unplugged that plug my oh, don't forget to plug it back in before i go <laughs> I love it. Yeah, yeah. It's gotten to the
2: point now with rooms. You know when you see those old old animations like Tom and Jerry and those kinds of things, where the background mm. is a certain color, but there's one part of that scene mm. that's a different shade to the rest, and you go, "Yeah, that's going to move." You get the same thing now with like secret yeah, yeah. panels and bookcases. And shit. You look, you walk into the yep. first room of escape, and you see a seam, and go, "Well, that's that's a secret panel that's going to open. That's a secret door."
0: Yeah, yeah. That's a brilliant way of describing it, Jamie. That's really that that's really lucid it's exactly like that you see a scene and what you should take in is a complete scene you immediately focus on the bit yeah
2: all right it's fine it is what it is but you you lose that sense of oh my god the the wall shifted and there's a room yeah that's gone that's such a big part of an escape room experience beyond the puzzles Mm. that it's a shame that that gets lost the more you do if we can lobotomize Mm. escape room players after a certain number of rooms, never mind cake to celebrate, as is the standard in the industry. Let's get mandatory lobotomies for anyone who does more than 100 rooms so they can retain that sense of
1: wonder. I wonder, though, does that also not uh, to some degree reflect the production, right? Because if you, uh, if you have, say, a bookcase that moves, um, you're going to it, – it, presumably, if you had the time and money – to, you can make it to, to make it perfect. yeah uh, yeah and and i guess some of it does come to the fact that a you, you've got to have a startup capital that you you've got right and then um, and then only what you're charging gone plus the general wear and tear of all this stuff as well right um you might quite like stuff has that- to be stuff has to be so bulletproof.
0: Mm, yeah no we and- we had the steve test which is where the builder of the room who was steve and was a builder The Steve test was he takes the prop and he hurls it onto the floor as hard as he can. If it still works and it still looks okay, it's past the Steve (laughs) test. If it doesn't, we can't use it. And it's, it's because people do that shit. Yeah. And if that prop's 20 quid and you burn through that every Mm -hmm. five games, that's not sustainable. Yeah. Uh, So it ends up with a lot of simple things or like cheap stuff. And the start of capital things are massive problems. So, I think the industry is contracting quite badly right now. I think, I think we're losing mm. a lot of rooms. I mean, the, the one I used to work at mm. for a start. Uh, but it's not just them that are in trouble. I, I know several rooms locally that are in huge trouble and, and may well be gone soon. And it's not because they're bad rooms. Uh, one of them is like a brilliantly immersive cinematic experience, you know, really incredible produ- production values. It was not guilty of that criticism of being paper thin at all. They're still mm. in danger of going under. So I don't know what the answer is. Um I'd love to say it's just, you know, just make just make the best room you can. Um and if it's if it's good, people will
1: come, but I'm not sure they yeah. will. Well and that's that's the other problem as well, right? right now. Uh depending on where you are as well, you only have a limited um set of people that will come and play. Um, as people in yes. London probably don't have this because there's there's so many people moving mm. through London, right? Um, yeah, yeah. But so, which also then means that you've either got, you've, you've got to have a few rooms, you can't just have one. So or it, instantly, you're splitting your capital two, three, four ways. Um, Playability, yeah. And then you've got to refresh them, right? You <laughs> reimagine them, um, which isn't. So exactly... the chapter control or to escape reckon five years.
0: That seems consistent, yeah. Uh, which actually is longer than other estimates I've heard that they reckon, So they're they're. Moving Moving to a system where they run five rooms and every year they do a room. Oh wow, which is yeah, big, think, right? Cycle through. Mm. Yeah, it's a big It's a big. It's a, a pretty big space. Some of the rooms are small and some mm. much bigger. But yeah, they're 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 looking at a five year cycle ongoing. Uh, which I think is okay. Wouldn't want to go any longer. No, I think
2: this is a good opportunity to to put a call out to our listeners. Support your local escape room. Go online mm. right now. Book a session in with somebody close to you or further afield. Don't give a fuck. Get in there and play the room and
0: keep the industry alive. Just do it. Just go. I th- I think we. I don't think it's dying, but I think sadly a lot of the smaller players are dying, mm. um, because they don't have as deep deep pockets or as bigger marketing machines. And I think we're drifting towards rooms that are actually a lot less to do with puzzle solving and, and, and discovery and lateral thinking, all that stuff, and more to do with, oh, that was a really cool experience. The lighting and music were amazing, yeah. which I'm just not interested in. I'm, I'm just not interested in the theme park with some padlocks.
2: Yeah. And when, when theme parks have tried that, Universal Studios did an escape room, and apparently it was, it was they? shit. They did Back to the Future <laughs> and Jurassic Park, I think. Um, themes. Right. They could be awesome, rooms, right? Apparently, the the reviews. If you look at I think uh, I think Room Escape artists
1: reviewed it, they were dire. Really? Yeah. It was. It was. It was all fur coat and no trousers. I was, was going to say you could imagine them relying so heavily on the uh, gravity of the, the 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 franchises that they perhaps yeah, do, yeah put so much effort into everything else. Yeah,
2: I've heard similar criticisms for the Lara Croft experience in London, where it's meant to be a, a big theatrical escape room, but it's. Not great puzzles, and you're shepherded along on a timer like you mentioned John every section is like right you gotta go now
0: because they're just funneling people through and because they've got another group behind them so i I live gm would a room once temporary pop up room i think I'm sure I've mentioned it before on the show, so again i won't go into too much detail um but basically it was cops at a crime scene, and there were four crime scenes uh and it wasn't a room you could you could buy a ticket for it was all invite only for country tv people basically um and and influencers which <laughs> you want to see some useless escape room players influencers <laughs> trust me oh my giddy aunt that when the apocalypse comes they're getting eaten they have no place in the world anyway um but the way it worked it, it was actually brilliantly uh designed oh actually um shout out to uh what's his surname Ah, uh, the guys from Deadlocked, Charlie Bond, James Hemmerton, and James, James Hemmerton, James Hemmerton. Hello, guys. Uh, they they did this. They created this thing. It was their baby uh, for a TV uh, channel. And basically, you you were in the room, the section with your team, and we had earpieces in, and each section was fifteen minutes. So. You hinted them as you needed to, approaching that 15 minutes. And as they were finishing puzzles, you were quietly putting the evidence back and resetting the entire thing behind them as they went. There was also a light very high up in each space, which was controlled by a panel in the room that only you had access to. So you could signal to the guy behind you or the woman behind you, I'm ready or this room is ready or it is not ready. So you always knew, do I have to keep filling or kind of go through as soon as this is ready? And you walk into a freshly reset room. It it was ingenious, absolutely ingenious. The tragedy of it was that it wasn't very busy, even though it was invite only. So we very rarely had to run the thing at full tilt to take advantage of of this brilliant system for a rolling live GM room. So that was a little bit sad, but the, the principle was sound. So it can be done. You can have a sectioned room, but you've got to hire good people. They hired a bunch of actors to do this who were comfortable riffing, basically. And it was great. You got to, like, scream at somebody who's squeamish to stick their hand in a dead body and pull out a USB stick. It was yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, brilliant fun. I was, I was going to say, I, I feel that, uh, that that we've had this experience uh, when we did the the corporate gig several years ago. But, of course, uh, the reset is is <laughs> oh. nothing, right? Yeah, know, shivers thinking about there that. There is no reset. You just, you just, just take, take a, 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 a breath. breath again. <sighs> just,
2: yeah. Take a shot <laughs> and then carry on. That was hard. <laughs> Good fun. <laughs> Uh, but uh, it was tense. It was good fun. It <laughs> If you would like to hire us for a corporate gig,
0: please get in touch. Yeah, and once we've finished our heart medication,
1: um, we we will try and produce it. You say that our prices have gone up considerably. (laughs) Yes. To pay for said uh, heart medication. We made a few quid
0: each out of that thing, but nothing nothing (laughs) commensurate to the hours that went in. Or the horrendous dress rehearsal with friends and family where everything went wrong. (laughs) Yeah. And it, it was just a disaster. Right, I think I hear the bell for last orders tolling, gentlemen. Do you have any last topics you'd like to discuss? Anything that's driven you mad in your
1: soul? Uh, I just uh, wish to say that uh, such a... Uh, a pub, as this establishment is, I would imagine that they have a uh, a, a pump with. Um, Here it comes. The uh, the, the Margate effluence. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I could have a pint of the Margate effluence. <laughs> uh, <gosh. laughs> to be honest, there could be
0: a beer called the Margate effluence. Ben, I'm not ruling this out <laughs> as a as a thing.
2: That's an alternative name for the pub, though, as well. That's quite a nice one, the Margate effluence.
0: The Margate effluence.
2: Right on, right on the yeah. coast. Don't ask us thing. in yeah, the air. Maybe I'll, I'll choose next. <laughs> um,
0: yes, because we don't know. Uh, I'd like Jamie. to give a
2: quick recommendation. Um, I, I've come to this late, and I re- really regret doing so, is the... the Fatherhood. Well, yeah, well, I was 30. You know, which by Welsh Valley standards, I'm practically barren, let's be honest. Um, this is true. <laughs> uh, but the, the TV show The Traitors, uh, the UK version... Oh, not this I came to it late, and I started watching season two, and I have become enamoured with it. I I love it so much. It's so good. And I, I love the game that it's loosely based on um, Ultimate Werewolf and I know that it's based on other games that are similar as well. But the premise is is great. Bunch of people together trying to win some cash, do some tasks, but every night somebody gets murdered and every day somebody gets banished and there are certain traitors within the group that are that are murdering everybody else and the aim of the traitors is to murder everybody and win the cash the aim of the people who aren't traitors is to find out who the traitors are and oust them and win the cash themselves so it's quite a fun psychology experiment and the game the game that it's based on werewolf is
0: phenomenal and the show is very addicting um we watched one episode of season one, and we, it turned us off completely.
2: Oh, shame. Try season two. I, I didn't see season one. We came in season two, and I thought it was great. But if you're not a fan of that kind okay. of social deduction game, that might not be for you, but I recommend it. Oh, I feel
0: like that was a veiled way of calling me stupid. i'm honest no. If you're not a fan of that sort of brilliant social deduction <laughs> game, that uses your mind, well, I can't do anything for you. Some folk don't like that kind of genre
2: for, the, for their games, and that's fine. But, like, it's... it's a, now I'm focused It's had so many... Uh, Everyone's folk, John. We're all folk here. Uh, yeah, he's had loads of spin-offs for like U.S., Australia, and all sorts. Um, of course, yeah, as as TV is want to do. Um, but yeah,
0: the UK version is is great. Please, please do give it a try. Okay, fine. <laughs> the traders. I'm going to recommend something. I'm going to recommend a book, uh, and my book recommendation is "Why We Get the Wrong Politicians" by Isabel Ooh. Hardman. I'm only halfway through it, and it is a excoriating account of life in parliament by a journalist who was there for years, talking to MPs, interviewing MPs during Cameron's years. Right? And she went around with him a fair bit too. But it's not just, oh, they're all a bunch of greedy bastards, blah, blah, blah. It's, a, it's an examination of the process of becoming a politician and the process of both life and work in parliament and how things are actually done and why that produces such middling results at best. Why do we have so many badly conceived laws? Why do we have so many scandals? Why do we seem to have deadlock over the stupidest issues? Why do ministers seem to change every five minutes and seem to be somehow unable to do anything in their actual brief? There is a reason for all of it. And I imagine when she gets to the conclusion of her book, she's going to give some prescriptions for some medicine. Uh, I don't know what they are yet, but I know they're going to be good. So, yeah, if you're in anyway interested in British politics, and I mean actually about how it works and why it is the way it is, for a, a tiny sample, fun fact, you're not allowed to clap in the House of Commons. There's no clapping. It's against convention, which is why MPs make those... <laughs> wooing brain noise, because they're not allowed to clap, but no one knows this. So you just watch them do it and think, you're a bunch of animals, what is wrong with you? And it's because there's no clapping, no rounds of applause. Really,
2: really. There's a really good, good. series by on YouTube by uh, comedian Jay Foreman that looks at a Parliament in London specifically and talks about the the whole braying nonsense
0: as well. But that book sounds fascinating. It's wonderful. Why we get the wrong politicians by Isabel
1: Hardman. Ben, got a recommendation? I I wasn't aware that I needed to bring one Ooh, uh, on the spot. It's one, a new spot. thing. So I, don't think I, I, I don't think I do. <laughs> That's fatherhood. Fun. Wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> Yeah, done. not oh, even worse. Try those tubes. Highly recommend it over getting a dog.
2: <laughs> oh, <laughs> but both no. Why?
1: Why happened to the dog? Oh, well, the dog's fine. The dog's lovely, but um <laughs> dog's not going to look after me in old age, and I'm hoping my son will.
0: Ah, it's an investment. Like a tortoise, I like it. And on that note, we will stumble back towards both our beds and uh rapidly approaching. Uh, All that. I'm going clubbing. Any, where's the eighties
2: club?
1: You own clubbing. In Is that uh, I think I think mint just, well, mint, just, mint original or uh, <laughs> trail orange. Oh always 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 mint. Oh, always geez. mint.
0: Okay. <laughs> right. Um ladies and gentlemen, if you're still with us, thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed that meandering chat. Uh, and we will see you next time on the Infinite Escape Room. Good night. Ninety night nights. Very well.